Buongiorno tutti. Benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy. My name is Kimberly Holcomb and you know who I'm with. Il famoso Tommaso. <laughs> he hiccuped. <laughs> See, I, I'm here and I hiccuped, yes. And I want to mention that um, Tommaso raised his hand in class earlier and said, I have something I'd like to share at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Which class was that? Italian 101? <laughs> yes, actually. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> so... Go ahead, Tommaso, take it away. Well, I do want to share because I thought of this about five in the morning this morning. And when we were in Copenhagen, we sat with that whole bunch of people, 18 people. And I've always said over time, life is just a medium-sized cocktail party. It's not a, it's not a small world, it's a medium-sized cocktail party. Shout out to my friend John McGowan for that. He's always coined that phrase. So we were in Copenhagen having dinner and having drinks with that wonderful group of people. There was a gentleman there who I'll call um, Pete. And Pete is in the financial services space. So you're in Copenhagen having dinner with these very nice people. And you come home and 30 days later, you talk to a friend. And you say, oh, I was in Copenhagen. I was with Pete. From London. From London. And all of a sudden he goes, I worked for Pete. <laughs> you're talking you've met a guy in Copenhagen for the first time you're talking to an old friend who works in financial services and he knows Pete I mean it's just I again, think they work together as a matter of fact they did right it's a medium-sized cocktail party it's getting smaller it is indeed and one more thing I wanted to bring about oh a travel tip yes travel tip when we went to Italy we got Kimberly for her phone a one-month subscription to travel pass for $100 with Verizon and use her hotspot if I needed to get some information when we were outside and not accessible to Wi-Fi. So during the course of our trip, a couple times I went to text someone on Wi-Fi at an apartment or wherever we're at a hotel and ding, it started a travel pass. Ding, another travel pass. Ding, another travel <laughs> pass. So all of a sudden we're up to 30 bucks because I sent three texts. Right. So anyway, even I, though you were connected to Wi-Fi at the time, even in the though hotel. I was connected to Wi-Fi. Okay. So I called Verizon and I asked them about this and I said, look, I used the travel pass, the $10 a day for one gig of download. After I got it, I said, what the hell? No problem. But I'm not paying for one because I was laying on the couch on New Year's Eve. And that's when I sent one text to a friend to say, happy new year. So they kicked that one off and I only got charged for two. But the important thing the woman told me, which I didn't know. And I pride myself on being a geek. <laughs> Is that understatement? <laughs> you have to put your phone while you're traveling into airplane mode. You can still access Wi-Fi, but put it into airplane mode for the entire time you're for the abroad. entire time abroad. If you don't want to use cellular data, so I can still connect to Kimberly as a hotspot, no problem. But when I send a text or WhatsApp, I'm not getting dinged. Literally for 10 bucks. And it's somewhat um, funny that they don't mention that anywhere on their website. They don't because right, it's because ding every day. You. Yes. So all of you with four kids or five kids <laughs> going to Italy, you don't want to hear too many ding, 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 dings. Prepare yourself. 
put the phone on airplane mode. I had no idea. I was always confused what airplane mode was anyway. Except on an airplane. Exactly. So <laughs> there you have it. That's a good, very good travel tip. Okie dokie. Grazie Tommaso. Let's go back to Luca. Okay. Episode 82. And we're back in Luca where we left you off on our last episode. However, I just first quickly want to give a shout out to Sandman, the same Sandman who left a review months ago. And this time he said, I know I've already been here, but I have learned so much from your episodes and I enjoy them. And I especially love learning about the Italian culture, what you share about it. And that makes us so happy because half of the beauty of visiting Italy is for the culture alone. Sure. Correct. The second half is for the history. And I'm really thrilled to be working with a young couple that's going in May. The wife loves, loves, loves history. So I'm planning all kinds of things for her to see that are, you know, a little under the radar. And she said her husband puts up with my obsession of all things old. (laughs) So there you go. Culture, history, and the cuisine. She could become Church Lady Junior. I don't know that it's churches per se. It's just the history of everything. Well, you never know. Right. Each church has a lot of history, that's for sure. Okay, so speaking of old things, historic things, as I mentioned, yes, we were back in Lucca. And we chose to be there because we wanted to be in like a small-ish city. And on New Year's Day, I think that is the beauty of cities. You just go out your door, walk around, walk, walk, walk. And there were so many people. And we were especially lucky because the sun was popping out. It was warm, no jacket. And it was a joy to be outside on New Year's Day in, you know, mid-morning. Everyone else was, except for those that partied hard and were still horizontal somewhere, you know, like one tends to do if you're at a big party. But we were in quaint, idyllic little Luca. And I just want to say those bells in the background that you hear right now. Oh, right. Those are the church bells that I recorded in Luca that morning. Another jump out of bed, grab the recorder. Because the church bells were ringing. It was Sunday, and they were calling people to church. Que bello. We didn't make church, but we got the recording. (laughs) Well, we did go in churches later, that's for sure. (laughs) But speaking of that specifically, I felt, not, not to be selfish here, but I felt since Tommaso had his dream come true of being in Bologna and eating ragu every single meal for like 36 or 48 hours, I wanted to treat myself and start the new year off and get my fill of old Italian architecture, which means popping into a few churches and, obviously, to perfect my new obsession of filming the ceiling of churches from front to back. And I'm getting quite good at it, to be honest. Are you becoming a church influencer? (laughs) Just wondering. A church ceiling influencer. Asking for a friend. I bet you I'm the only one. I stand in the middle of the church and hold my phone. Yes, I use an iPhone because their capture is so good. And I stand in the middle of the church and I hold it with both hands as steady as possible. I hit the record button and I'm looking like at the altar of the nave and I start following the ceiling. And once I get up to where it's directly over my head, that's where the back bend technique comes into play. Sadly, I wasn't all that good in gymnastics in my day, high school and grade school, but I'm still good enough with that, uh, what do you call it, when I'm like double jointed, I go bend over backwards. 
bend over backwards and film the whole thing. And this is where all those exercises come in while we're having a cocktail in the evening. You stand and grab the mantle. The fire's going. We've got I the do. news on. I do. And these legs Const- are swinging I do. and everything. Multiple stretches. <laughs> it's a weird habit. Anyway, when I look at these videos, I am in. A, well, let me preface by saying this. The reason I do it is because then I get to look at the videos again, not just as I always stare up at everything in Italy. By filming the ceilings, I get to look at them again and again and again. And I'm in awe, complete awe of the work that goes into them. And not just the engineering that we always talk about of these vaulted ceilings, or we always are in wonder how they built anything in these days, but the detailed paintings, the gold gilled details of molding and whatnot, the mosaics, all of it done by so many artisans that somehow climbed up that scaffolding made of wood. I know we've mentioned this before as well. Imagine climbing up and down that scaffolding multiple times a day, especially in a basilica like St. Peter's in Rome. That is the highest dome in the entire world at four. 148 feet and every inch of that entire dome and ceiling is covered in paintings and mosaics all done by hand wow tall right holy backache (laughs) (laughs) that is truly a holy backache oh my gosh so back to the Luca Basilica, which isn't quite 448 feet tall. I did look everywhere online to find the exact height. Couldn't find it. Tried as I might. Regardless, I want to show Tommaso Luca's Duomo, which is called San Martino, because I knew even he would be impressed, mostly for the intricate and super contemporary design elements on its facade. I'll get into that in a minute. Since he loves to stand outside, hang outside the churches that I go into, he decided to just do that and at the beginning and do a little people watching when I went inside to film the ceiling because it's one of my favorite ceilings in all of Italy. And it's completely, completely made of mosaics. So I put this video that I did on Instagram last week so you can look at it and see why I'm so in love with it. Back to the facade of San Martino. It is a graphic designer's nirvana, complete paradise, especially when you take into account its age. So the church itself was started in 1063, but Luca held a competition in 1233 to choose the artisan and their design for the columns that would adorn the top three tiers of the facade. And there are 37 columns in total on these three tiers, and most of them have a different graphic design to them. So I zoomed in on my photos, and there's only 11 of the 37s that are just complete marble, just the one tone of the pink or the gray or green marble. The rest are so detailed with black, pink, or a white marble and really contemporary designs some graphic stripes, some that were almost like a checkerboard design, even some swirls. So those, if you remember, Tommaso, were the top three tiers of the very tall church, very high facade. And then down at our level, even Tommaso took a million photos. What you could see of the entrance going into the church 
was all kinds of design in teeny little strips of marble next to another teeny long strip of marble that made up for the arch to the entrance of the church. And they were amazing. I'll tell you what went through my mind when I was looking at that. As a person that started out in college with a T-square and triangles mm-hmm. and sharpening a pencil drafting, <laughs> mm-hmm. then went to a May line, which was a, went up and down on the desk. And those of you who are architecture people out there, you know what I'm talking about. And now we're into CAD and Adobe Illustrator. Imagine laying those out with such precision, designing them with such precision. But making them too. First they were designed I know, I know, by I know. hand drawn out and yeah. then they cut each different color of marble and adhered them to make these designs. And those swirls. I was yes. thinking you can't have enough French curves in your portfolio for that. This facade is truly amazing. There's so many beautiful and intricate facades, but this one in Luca, the Duomo, San Martino and Luca, I highly, highly recommend. And go inside as well. I mean, the tile floors in the church were also mind-blowing. I have like a thousand pictures of them. Not with my feet, just little designs everywhere. So for you art lovers, design lovers, go to Luca. And just think of how many times Giovanni or Giuseppe or Pietro went in there and had to sharpen their pencil. (laughs) But you know what is also funny to think about? Just like we were talking about in Caracalla in Rome, all these places that have such incredible design, which I have said all along, design is inherent in the DNA of Italians for millennium, millennial, millennium. Millennium. (laughs) We have friends who are millennials. Right. And it is just in their blood. And keep in mind, this facade of this church seems so hip and contemporary but that person from 1233 that won the competition and made this facade did so 790 years ago all right so after the duomo we walked around a bit more the sky turned more blue and we decided we should have lunch and not many restaurants in luca were open on new year's day except for hotels and we weren't into that So like everyone else in this day and age, what did we do? Got out our phone, sat on some thousand-year-old stone bench, went to our friend Google and looked to see what was open. I didn't think about doing it the day before because we were just happy, just, (laughs) you know, fly by the seat of your pants type thing. With Brunello and champagne, we were happy. Exactly. We didn't really think about it until we were hungry. So we found a place out toward the west side, toward the wall that we had walked by the afternoon before and thought, oh, this is a cute little street with a lot of little local, like authentically local looking restaurants. So we decided which one to go to. Right as we got there, we saw a couple walk out and we walked, uh, we looked in. It was like this narrow entry with a bar on the left, one gentleman sitting at the only little table there. And then in the back was a smallish room with like 10 tables, eight, 10 tables. And that couple walked out. And so I, you know, got the attention of the waitress and I said, Cheona Tavala. She goes, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. <laughs> we're about to close. You know, we're going to stop serving lunch because, you know, it's that time they were going to close at 2.30 or 3. And we were there at like 2.25. So she gave us a table. She was the only waitress. She was buzzing around and everyone was Italian. A few families. We sat next to a family with a couple children. And as we were walking through the little tables to get to our one seat, we spied pizza. 
That looked great. Yes. <laughs> great pizza. So with that, we didn't even need the no, menu, no, really. We're like, buongiorno, buonanno, uh, un aperol spritz, e un peroni. Tom had a peroni beer. I had aperol spritz. We each ordered a pizza. And we were so happy to be in just a local hangout. It was great. The pizza arrived, and it was so much larger than the normal, like, one-person pizza size. It's not that often that I can't knock off a pizza. Exactly. So we actually kind of got depressed, thinking, this is so good. I'm not going to be able to finish it, because there's nothing worse than being overly full. So toward the end of our meal, and we were taking our time and might have had another beer, another spritz, I don't recall that, but... Oh, yes, we did. As a matter of fact, it was New Year's. Why it was not? New Year's. Right? So all of a sudden, I heard the gentleman behind us, the father, say, Possiamo fare porta via con la pizza. I was like, what? Ding, ding, ding. Magic words. <laughs> porta via means take on the street to go. I have never, ever in my life seen a restaurant give some of the pizza in a to-go box. Because Italians inherently are against leftovers. True. But maybe it's because this little ristorante made large pizzas. So they had to like give in. Why throw out the pizza that people couldn't finish? So with that, when the waitress came back, I said, I just heard that man. She goes, okay, okay. So she put our leftover pizza in a box and I actually have very funny photos. I took of Tommaso we decided to walk back to our little Palazzo apartment to put the pizza away so that we could carry on for the rest of the day. And I have these funny photos of you doing like that pizza old, delivery in Luca. Old, old school, the pizza box <laughs> is way above your head. You're walking down this like deserted, beautiful stone street. It was awesome. So we had for us the perfect lunch on New Year's Day. Then, as I mentioned, we walked back outside. Just wanted to take every street in before we had to leave the next day. It was kind of a short trip, unfortunately. And we decided to walk back down toward that bookseller, the outdoor bookshop yes. that we saw, which is right north of Piazza Napoleone. I am like a truffle-sniffing dog when yes. it comes to bookstores. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and this one in Luca is just like the one in Paris or those in Paris, along the Seine, outdoors, they have the books and the prints awnings. under awnings. Exactly. That little framework that holds up the awnings and then they just collapse it when they shut down for the day because no one's going to go in there and steal anything. And this particular bookshop was called Piazzetta del Libro, which just means the little piazza of books. It was so sweet, but we got there a little bit late. Yep. She was trying to close up. But right around that area, there's two or three other incredible small family-run bookstores. We walked into one of them. That was a maze. But that gentleman also was trying to close up. It was New Year's Day. It was about 4 o'clock, done for the day. So for those of you that love books and small bookstores, go right north of Piazza Napoleone. You'll be in heaven. And think about it, Tommaso, in our late two and a half, three week trip, we went into countless bookstores. Yes. Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. So all the design books in Copenhagen. So many little bookstores. 
in Copenhagen. In Como, we went into several in the city of Como. Mm-hmm. And Bologna, remember those beautiful, beautiful bookstores. So our whole trip, everywhere we saw bookstores, and it made us so happy because small family-run bookshops are not prevalent in America anymore. Well, there's not even Barnes & Noble and B. Dalton and all these places have scaled down so much, there's hardly any bookstores anymore. I know. And half of a Barnes & Noble is the Starbucks, to be honest. Not uh, half of it, but a, a big majority of it is a lot of seating for people drinking Starbucks. So anyway, if you like bookstores, go to Copenhagen, Como, Bologna, and Luca. Well, for someone that <laughs> grew up with his nose stuffed in a book all the time, all different types of books, it's disappointing because that's been one of the happiest times of my life, sitting there just looking through art books, looking right. through history right. books, looking through photography books. So remain happy knowing that they're in all these other countries. And also Italy, Rizzoli. Remember we went yes, to Rizzoli yes, in Milan? Yes, yes, yes. Oh. We'll get to that. Right. What did I buy there and where is it? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Dio mio. Okay. So we kept meandering our way around Luca, every little back street which I think is part of the beauty of a city like this that is somewhat circular-shaped or oval-shaped, like Matera. You find your way when you, like, hit the wall. You can see when... Literally hit the wall. (laughs) And you can see, oh, okay, there's something that I recognize. It gives you your bearings. And then we turn around. So we eventually ended up back at Piazza Anfiteatro. And that is when Tommaso decided he needed to try a gelato because he hadn't had one in probably, you know, 30 hours. So we walked around and I think basically every other person in Luca on New Year's Day on this Same beautiful idea. afternoon. Same idea. <laughs> and the lines were so long and I could see the disappointment <laughs> building up in his face. And finally I said, all right, let's go on these little like ring roads outside of the piazza. And same thing, long lines, long lines. Finally, he saw one that was maybe a five, 10 minute wait. So he did it. And salted caramel. And was it the best gelato of your life? Maybe not, but was it good? Fantastic. Yes. And I did the same thing I do all the time. (laughs) I wait for him to be halfway through with it. And then I ask for a little spoonful and then I taste it, and then I regret that I didn't, <laughs> didn't ask order. at the beginning. No, if I order an entire gelato, I just I just can't go there. I'll have them all. After Tommaso finished his gelato, we were winding our way north on these teeny streets and came upon Piazza's son, Frediano, like Fred Frediano. I find that very funny. I've never heard that name before, Luca. And this Piazza... San Ferradiano had several lively looking restaurants. Remember that? Mm-hmm. There were people everywhere then, and these restaurants were not closing down. I did not find that in our Google search, but I still loved our little pizzeria, so that was fine. But it had like a very good vibe on this New Year's Day. I think it would be a beautiful place to eat al fresco, and maybe it's super popular with all tourists, but we had not known about it. And one place caught my eye, so we walked well, in. Wait a minute, one second on that. There weren't many people there who weren't Italian. Very true. So they knew. Now that I think about They that. probably were regular customers, lived exactly. outside the wall. And they knew where their, to go. And they knew where to go. <laughs> it was packed. It was. And it was so beautiful because of the weather. 
But one place caught my eye and we had to go in. It's called Cafe Santa Zita because it looked like one of these places in Milano or Venezia. So old school and beautiful. It's a coffee shop, but also in the beautiful script above the door, it's a biscotteria, a biscotti place. And, you know, it's like a place that makes their own biscotti. It was so beautiful and it looked like you could have a lovely aperitivo there, but it's the type of place that opens in the morning for your coffee and stays open all day. And then they shut down at nine o'clock at night, eight at night after aperitivo hour. And they obviously made all of their own desserts, biscotti, all those pastries, because if you don't know it now, Italians have a very big sweet tooth. And then they just order one small little pastry, one small biscotti. They get their sweet fix and then they shoot back an espresso. (laughs) Then it kind of negates the the sweetness, but then you have the caffeine buzz. I mean, they just thrive on this kind of combination. Good practice for a number of hundreds of years. (laughs) We didn't stay because you had just had the gelato and we knew we had some treats back in the apartment. I think you had a cappuccino. Not at this place. No. No, I wish I did. Okay. But it was also very crowded. So we just walked in. I took some pictures. It was lovely. And I will say that this area of Luca, that particular area, it's kind of like the ring road around Piazza Anfiteatro. They have these little walking streets with unique shops. There were wine bars, trattoria, osterias, little teeny art shops. It was really, really nice. And Like we've mentioned, Luca is so small and so walkable that it's almost easy to find every little area if you're there at least two days. It's the beauty of being in a small place. You don't really leave thinking you missed something, right? And we were only there two and a half days. And I will say finally that there's also a few very good restaurants outside the wall. They wanted more space. I have sent some clients to them outside the wall and they love them. And it's just, they wanted a larger dining room and it gets you out of the box. And so there's good restaurants everywhere. In the end, we went back to our charming little Palazzo apartment and basically we repeated the previous night. (laughs) (laughs) We still had a bottle of Brunello. Tommaso had a little bit of prosciutto and brasala left over. And we had our Portavia pizza. Mm -hmm. It was a perfect New Year's night. It was fantastic. I love leftover pizza. (laughs) But this apartment had this beautiful stove. We just warmed them up a bit. It It was lovely. And then the next morning, funny enough, because we never do this, we completely overslept. I woke up, I was like, oh, Dio mio, we have to be at the train station in, you know, the train was departing in, let's say, 45 minutes. We had to shower and that was super disappointing to take a really quick shower in that bathroom because it was a dream. Massive marble shower. Ten people could have fit in there. And we had to pack in two minutes. I mean, oh, I'd left a really quick note in Italian thanking them so much. And out we went. And it was funny because we walked at the fastest clip possible to get through the city because we were at the north end train stations at the South Bend. We just were flying. And if you remember in in our previous episode, I said, 
You know, the goal of every trip in Italy is that the wheels of your luggage stay on through the trip. (laughs) The little wheels of mine were crying out, torture, torture. And I will say that when we got to the train station, I was completely sweating and you were looking at me completely questioning my choice of the route we took. See? (laughs) So that's... And also you didn't set the alarm clock. Oh, we did. I think we completely slept through Mm. it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we made it onto the train right in time, went to Milano, where we stayed in one of the oldest and most historic hotels in the city. We actually made a podcast recording there, and we'll fill you in on that in our next episode. And we also have to share with them that amazing exhibition we saw at the Galleria d'Italia yes, in Milano. Yes, I talked about that before in a previous episode when you were in Rome in October. Oh, you did? Well, save it. And we got a chance to see it. It I didn't think we would, but we did. Fantastico. So we will end here because I'm trying to keep our episodes under 30 minutes. And for those of you who were sailors out there, we overstood the mark by quite a bit. In other words, we overshot. Already? Dang. (laughs) Dang. Because I know people like this short time frame. I'm really sorry. I'm trying my best, but Tommaso knows how I can ramble on about everything Italian And I definitely spend too much time chatting about the artwork in the churches. However, let's say this, everybody. If this podcast was called Tommaso's Italy, he'd be going on and on and on about ragu, bolognese, pasta. So I have fans there. (laughs) Yes, that's you. That you do. Even though I'm late, my last words here will be what I've emphasized before. Please, please remember to start planning sooner than you think you should. The first thing I do for clients that book me is I send them all these options of accommodations. Once they choose them, then we book them. And then after that, everything else for their trip can fall in place. And I'm finding a lot of the mid-price places are already booked for May and June. But fortunately, I have a huge database of options. I'm always able to find something for my clients and know that it'll make their vacation extra special. A basta. Okay. A basta. Sorry, tried to keep it under 30. Next time, la, prim, la prossima volta. We have goals. Okay. Grazie mille. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.